had a saying I've said over and over for a long time, keep looking up. That's a way of encouraging. I got that from a pastor friend of mine down in, in uh, around the Atlanta area. And uh, he would always use that to encourage people, keep looking up. Uh, but I say, God is good all the time. That's uh, another one that I've been saying recently. And he is. God is good all the time. Well, friends, we're, we're talking about... Um, hang on just a second here. We've been talking about for, oh, several months, uh, defining God's church. And we talked about organization. Now we're getting into the third phase of it. Uh, uh, what is the mission of the church, in essence? And we're kind of getting into some details. And uh, last time we talked about an education that, that is needed. Uh, that we are uh, enrolled, or I encourage you to enroll in the school of Christ, to enlist into His army. And now I want to talk about, continue to talk about this education process for the believers. I've entitled this message, Boot Camp. Boot Camp. And I want to begin by looking at two very familiar scriptures. Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15 and Revelation 12 and verse 17. And I want to begin with Genesis 3 and verse 15. And and beloved, we are very familiar with both these scriptures. But I want to start by looking at these. In Genesis 3.15, God's speaking to Satan there in the garden. And he says, I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed, it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Now, we clearly see here that there's a dividing line that is drawn. Do we not? There's a dividing line between God and Satan. There's a dividing line between God's army and the army of the devil. And it was drawn, well, of course it was drawn in the war in heaven before this, but I'm talking about here on this earth. There was a dividing line that was drawn. And we also see in this scripture, and I I want to point this out to you, beloved, we see in this scripture God's plan for His army in the great controversy between the two sides. Do you see God's plan? God says that He's going to send a great commander, you see, that will defeat the enemy of souls and lead His people uh, to, to victory. And in His plan, we see a great distinction uh, that's made between the two armies and the hatred that differentiates one from the other. That's what enmity means. It means hatred. And God's going to put this enmity. You see, when you come to Jesus and you give yourself to Jesus, God puts this enmity in you for sin. He puts this enmity in you for Satan. Now, does God put bad things into us or does He put good things into us? Good, of course. So there are certain situations where enmity is a good thing. Wouldn't you agree with that? Wouldn't you agree that having a hatred for sin in the eyes of God is a good thing? So God, I want you to know, we can't put this hatred in ourselves. (laughs) It's supernaturally done. And God does it. He puts this in. And this this is His plan, you see. So we see this great distinction. 
And this plan was told to our first parents. It was laid out to her. Right there in the garden, Genesis 3.15, is laid out to our parents, who they then, after hearing this plan, repent. Remember, they hid from God, right? They knew what the penalty was for sin. They probably were amazed that they weren't dead yet when they heard God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. But God laid out this plan. And He laid it out to our, our first parents there, Adam and Eve, and they repented of that transgression. And then they, by doing that, they joined God's army. And God's plan has not changed, though it was given so long ago, friends. It's the same plan for us who live here near the end of time. And it's a plan of complete victory for those who join the Lord. And I'm going to tell you, utter loss for those who do not. There's no way around it. Our mighty God told the devil to his face right there in the garden about his plan for this battle on earth and that the devil's going to be defeated for all eternity. He told him right there to his face. Now how often does an army tell their enemy their, what their plan is to their face? Okay? I want you to think about this now in this great controversy. Satan knows where God's headed. He's got the plan. But it's not going to do him any good, is it? But you know the thing is that Satan thinks he can still win. He thinks he can still win and he's been preparing for the final conflict, friends, for thousands of years. I mean, looking through the Bible from the beginning, we can see that he's been honing his skills and preparing his army for this ultimate battle. And we find today, my friends, that we are very near this final battle between these two sides. Let's look at Revelation 12 and verse 7. Or excuse me, verse 17. Got a little error there in my notes. Revelation 12, verse 17. And the dragon was wroth with the woman. Now, who's the dragon? Well, we know in verse 9 it tells us that the dragon was a, is a Satan, the devil. And the woman here in Revelation 12, as being spoken of here, is the church. A woman in, in prophecy is a symbol for a church. So it says the dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war with who? The remnant of her seed, that seed that we read about at the beginning, Genesis 3.15. Now what is it about this seed? He's making a war against them. This seed is described. It says, this seed is the ones who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. And I want to tell you, friends, in case you've missed it somehow, that we are in that time of the remnant. And the question for each of us, while there is still time is what army do we belong to? <laughs> you see, we must choose to be in the Lord's army. And if we don't, we are members of the devil's forces. There's no fence riding, there's no neutral ground. Jesus makes that very clear. If you're not with me, you're against me. And if we wish to be a part of God's army, we must accept Jesus, you see, friends. 
as our Lord and our Savior. As our Lord, because He's our commander. He's the commander of the Lord's forces. And then we must begin implementing His plan in our life. And not just in our individual life, but in our family. And in the church. And this is why we talked about organization. How important. God is a God of order. He has ways of order. We call it gospel order. And it begins with Jesus Christ, we learned. Now, we started a, a couple of months, or excuse me, a couple of Sabbaths ago, studying about, uh, as I mentioned just a moment ago, enlisting in God's army. And this means that each member of that army is automatically enrolled in the school of Christ. And so it doesn't matter, <laughs> we talk about education, it, it doesn't matter your earthly education or your lack of earthly education. The school of Christ teaches a different kind of education than that of the world, friends. And in our study at that time, we saw that students in the school of Christ go through an unschooling process where much of their worldly education is discarded entirely to make room for heavenly instruction. I shared this with you last time from Christian Education, page 122. The training and education of a lifetime, she says, must often be discarded. Isn't that interesting? She didn't say can sometimes be discarded. She said must often be discarded that the Christian may become a learner in the school of Christ. And we're, we're interested in having an education that's approved of heaven and one can only attain such learning in the school of Christ. Amen? Now what is learned in the school of Christ? I shared this with you as well. And this is just... Um, a part of uh, uh, bringing it back to your attention. It's been a couple weeks since we've been together. So from Christian Education, this time, page 200. The follower of Jesus should be constantly improving in manners, in habits, in spirit, and labor. But this is done by keeping the eye not on mere outward superficial attainments, but on Jesus, the model. Now notice this. She says a transformation takes place in mind, in spirit, in character. The Christian is educated in the school of Christ to cherish, now this is important, to cherish the graces of his spirit in all meekness and lowliness of mind. He is fitting for the society of heavenly angels. We are being prepared, you see, in the school of Christ to be citizens of heaven. To be citizens of God's kingdom. Here's another from Acts of the Apostles, page 524. Trial is part of the education given in the school of Christ to purify God's children from the dross of earthliness. He who reads the hearts of men knows their weaknesses better than they themselves can know them. He sees that some have qualifications which, if rightly directed could be used in the advancement of his work. In his providence, he brings these souls into different positions and varied circumstances that they may discover the defects that are concealed from their own knowledge. He gives them opportunity to overcome these defects and to fit themselves for service. Notice here, friends, 
that this isn't this false righteousness by faith where you do nothing but trust God and God waves a magic wand and you're made perfect. He gives them opportunity, she says, to overcome these defects and to fit themselves for service. Fit themselves for service. Often, he permits the fires of affliction to burn that they may be purified. So the school of Christ teaches the student, well, actually, to be like Jesus (laughs) and places them in a position to advance his work. Now notice, not defend his work, advance his work. God's army is always to be on the offense, friends. And everyone who's a Christian has a job to do in God's army. Jesus teaches that every Christian has a responsibility in his army. For example, Paul said in Titus 1 verse 9, he said that an elder must hold fast the faithful word as he hath been taught. Okay? So there's an education process, all right? So he's to hold fast the faithful word as he hath been taught, that he may be able, by sound doctrine, that he's been taught, both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. Now I will tell you, it's not just the elders that need, need this. But members must have a daily training in Christ's school in order to withstand the gainsayers. Now who's a gainsayer? What does that mean? Those are people who speak against the truth. That's what a gainsayer is. So all of us must learn to stand for truth. It's not just the ministers. Remember, Peter says we're a royal priesthood. Okay? And our our scripture reading for today points this out uh, very profoundly. 1 Peter 3 verse 15, we said, Peter says this, he says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always. Well, how can you be ready if the, you, you haven't been educated in what to be ready for? And, and how to do that, how to give an answer. This is what he says. And be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you. And to give that reason with meekness and fear. I mean, do you do you have confidence to give an answer when asked about your faith? What do you do? What's your reaction when it says, well, why are you a Christian? Or somebody says, who is this Jesus that you speak about? Or why do you, do you worship on Saturday instead of Sunday? Do you have an answer, friends? What do you say? Well, if you don't have confidence enough to give an answer, it means you're not educated enough. Or maybe you just haven't had the experience or the practice. Because it takes education and it takes practice. It's all part of training we personally receive in the school of Christ and also in the church where Christ dwells. The church was organized for service, to to spread the gospel, to save souls for the kingdom, but we've got to be educated in order to do that. And we've got to be organized. We've learned that. Be able to do that. 
You know, I was watching one of those news shows a few years ago, and they were taking a um, closer look at the men and women who serve in the United States Marine Corps and how they're being prepared for war. They were specifically in this, this program, they were specifically looking at the 10th Mountain Division of the Marines, and I was impressed at how disciplined and trained these people are. It's remarkable. But I want to tell you, Jesus is looking for men and women who are willing to be disciplined and trained to be members of His army. Right? And I'll tell you that God's army, His army, are the cream of the crop, friends. Jesus said in Matthew twenty-two fourteen, He said, For many are called, but few are chosen. And all it takes to be chosen is to accept the Savior and obey His voice. And so, friends, Jesus is waiting on us to give ourselves totally to Him. To be willing to sacrifice all we are and all we have to Him. The 10th Mountain Division is the, turns out, is the first to go into the front lines and they're always ready to go into action. And I wonder, what, what is it that gives them this confidence? Well, they're trained. They are trained, they're prepared, they have faith in their leader, friends. They train in the mountains and in the deserts. They train in good weather and bad weather. They train in the daytime and at night. They are trained and prepared and will follow their leader's command to the death. That's how confident they are. And our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, friends, He's organizing His army right now and He's training them for battle. And I want to tell you, in order for us to be victorious in the battle with the beast, we have to, we've, we've got to get organized. And then we've, we need to be trained and we need to be prepared and we need to be dedicated completely to Jesus and follow our commander explicitly. Explicitly. i share this with you. It's from the Review and Herald, March 13th, 1888. She says, The law of God is being trampled underfoot. The blood of the covenant is being despised. And can we fold our hands and say that we have nothing to do? Let me give you an example, friends. Just real quick about this. Before I go on. As I mentioned uh, last time in, in that message called Enlistment, I mentioned how my dad served in the United States Army. And there are many uh, uh, brave men who have served in, in the armed forces. And the flag of our country means something, something deeply to these men. There is a strong reaction by such people when they see that flag being trampled underfoot. Because it means it means more than just a symbol. It means there was bloodshed for that. So when somebody tramples on that flag, 
to them it's as though someone's trampling upon their friends who gave their lives for this country. Let me ask you a question. How do you feel when the law of God is trampled underfoot? How do you feel when the blood of the covenant is being despised? As she says, can, when this is happening, can we fold our hands and say that we have nothing to do? She says, let us arouse. The battle is waging. Truth and error are nearing their final conflict. Let us march. Okay, It's not defense. We're to be on the offense, friends. Let us march under the blood-stained banner of Prince Emmanuel and fight the good fight of faith and win eternal honors for the truth will triumph and we may be more than conquerors through Him who has loved us. The precious hours of probation are closing. Friends, this is written a hundred and, what is it, 26 years ago? The precious hours of probation are closing. Let us make sure work for eternal life that we may glorify our Heavenly Father and be the means of saving souls for whom Christ died. Friends, if you're not getting into the battle, when will you? If not today, when? And when we talk about this, I want to caution you, and I want, I want to say this in, in a reverent type of way, but I need to point out that there's no silver bullet for defeating the beast. There's no magic pill, there's no magic wand, there's no secret potion. In fact, this training will not save you and give you victory unless you have Jesus dwelling within your heart. Because there's only one way to be a part of this army of the Lord, and that is to be born again in Jesus Christ, beloved. One must confess and repent and accept the gift of the Savior to be a member of His army. To be a member of His victorious army. doesn't matter what organization you join. That won't save you. That won't prepare you. Did you see, when you have the Holy Spirit residing in your heart, you're going to hear His voice calling you to repentance, to righteousness, and to your duty. Just as He called Isaiah, who said, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I. Send me. Isaiah 6 and verse 8. Here am I, send me. Will you echo the words of Isaiah, friends? Will you say, here am I, send me, Lord? There are two specific types of training for each one of us, beloved. There is a, and I'm talking about in the school of Christ, there is a general training and there is an individual training. 
both of which are, are ongoing processes, actually, for we never really graduate from the school of Christ. I mean, throughout all eternity, we'll be in the school of Christ and learning and growing in wisdom and knowledge. But the schooling and training for today, known as present truth and understanding it, our time and history, and what God wants of us, our schooling and training for today is preparation for this final battle. So let's take a look at the the general training, or as I call it, boot camp of the Lord's army. The basic training. And, friends, I, I cannot emphasize this enough. You can be organized, trained, and even commissioned. But unless you abide in Christ and He in you, it will amount to desertion and treason when under attack by the enemy. This has happened throughout history. So, are you prepared? Are, or are you... Are you confident in your Savior? Are you educated? Are you ready for service? Or are you a deserter in the Lord's army? Are you tired of failing to overcome every day, friends? Do you want to know a secret that's going to, that's going to help you to stop failing? Well, I'll tell you, the main reason we fail is because we do not spend time with Jesus each day. So when the enemy attacks us through temptation, what happens? We desert our post to duty. I mean, friends, coming to church on the Sabbath each week is good, but is that all that abiding in Christ means? And I'm going to tell you, there are thousands and thousands of Sabbath keepers that that's all they do. They think that's their only duty. And they're just biding time. They're waiting for the Sunday law to happen and think that it's just a, a wand that will be waved and all will be well and Jesus will come and we'll, our, <coughs> excuse me, our character will be changed. And la-di-da. Now don't get me wrong. We are to keep the Sabbath holy, aren't we? And we're to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. But... Is that all that abiding in Christ entails? In John 15, verses 4 and 5, Jesus said this to us. He said, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine, no more can ye except ye abide in me. So what's going to happen? We can't bear fruit unless we're abiding in the vine, and Jesus is the vine. So we have to abide in in Him and He in us to bear fruit. And we talk about fruit, well, we'll get to this a little later, but uh, this is the key, friends. Jesus said, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do what? Nothing. You can do nothing. So we have to abide in Christ. And to abide means to continue or dwell. That's what that means. So Jesus wants us to continue as a member of His body. And I'm going to tell you, friends, this means more than having your name in the church book. 
It means to dwell with Him each moment of the day by learning of Him and doing His will. Keeping His commandments. Loving one another as He loves us. Esteeming others better than ourselves. Living His life, as we read in Christ Object Lessons. That's what it means to abide. You know, when you enlist in the United States Army, they send you to boot camp. <clears throat> and this is a general training of how, uh, you know, to conduct yourself as a member of the Army. It's also called basic training. And so you, you're trained physically and mentally to do the will of the Supreme Commander. And, well, friends, they actually break your own will to the point that you'll obey every command. Now, God doesn't break your will. He asks you to freely give it to Him, see? To do His will always, thus abide in Him. In the United States Army, you dwell with other members of the Army, as well as your, you know, your drill sergeant, and you abide with them, see? I was thinking about this. My my mother went to a, <clears throat> when she was very young, went to school, she went to a one-room schoolhouse until she entered high school. So while she was in that one-room schoolhouse, she spent each day of school, all day, from grades 1 through 9 with the same teacher. So you could say that my mother abode with her teacher eight hours a day. Eventually, the teacher gained enough confidence in my mother's education uh, and her experience and behavior to have her help teach the younger students. Sounds kind of like homeschooling, doesn't it? Well, in the school of Christ, we abide with the teacher every moment of every day, and when he has confidence in us, he empowers us to teach others. Like I said, we become... Like Him, we live His life, the prophet told us. I'll share this with you, the faith from the, the book of the faith I live by, devotional, page 125. <clears throat> Do you ask, how am I to abide in Christ? In the same way as you received Him at first, you gave yourself to God to be His holy, to serve and obey Him, and you took Christ as your Savior. By faith you became Christ's, and by faith you are to grow up in Him, by giving and taking. You are to give all, your heart, your will, your service. Give yourself to Him to obey all His requirements, and you must take all, Christ, the fullness of all blessing, to abide in your heart, to be your strength, your righteousness, your everlasting helper, to give you power to obey. That's a distinguishing feature of the Lord's army. Here are they that keep His commandments. And where does that power come from? It comes from Christ. That's what she says, we are to take We take from Christ the fullness of all blessing, bind our heart to be our strength, your righteousness, your everlasting helper to give you power to obey.
Jesus said in Matthew 19, verse 26, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. <clears throat> all things, friends. From the book Steps to Christ, page 71. I love this book. It's one of the, the best books out there. When the mind dwells upon self, it is turned away from Christ, the source of strength and life. Hence, it is Satan's constant effort to keep the attention diverted from the Savior and thus prevent the union and communion of the soul with Christ. So what is it? It's self. It's like Deb was saying. We were talking about balances today. When you start taking your eyes off of, of God, self starts to gain momentum. See? And then here she's talking about this. When the mind dwells upon self, it's turned away from Christ, who is the source of strength and life. And so what does Satan try to do? He tries to keep our attention diverted. By keeping us diverted, then we he prevents that, as she says, union and communion of the soul with Jesus. The pleasures of the world Life's cares and perplexities and sorrows, the faults of others, or your own faults and imperfection. To any or all of these he will seek to divert the mind. Do not be misled by his devices. Many who are really conscientious and who desire to live for God, he too often leads to dwell upon their own faults and weaknesses. I run into people, friends, who constantly live in the past. They dwell in their sins of the past. That's a lack of faith. Faith in God's Word. He says, you are forgiven. So see, you've got to believe. You've got to believe His Word. So she says, or your own faults and imperfections. Many who are really conscientious and who desire to live for God, he too often leads to dwell upon their own faults and weaknesses. And thus, by separating them from Christ, he hopes to gain the victory. We should not make self the center and indulge anxiety and fear as to whether we shall be saved. All this turns the soul away from the source of our strength. Commit the keeping of your soul to God and trust in Him. Talk and think of Jesus. Let self be lost in Him. Put away all doubt. Dismiss your fears. Say with the Apostle Paul, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me. Make it personal, friends, because it is. He loved me. He gave Himself for me. Rest in God. He is able to keep that which you have committed to Him. If you will leave yourself in His hands, He will bring you off more than conqueror through Him that has loved you. <clears throat> so we are to dwell in Christ, friends. That's, part of, that's what we learn. That's the education process. It's a basic training in becoming a Christian and, and joining the Lord's army. How to dwell in Christ. 
mean, each day we have decisions to make. <clears throat> we do, every day. Don't we make decisions every day? From the mundane, small, we make consider small, to big decisions. We make decisions. Well, I'll tell you, as soon as we open our eyes, we must decide whether we're going to get out of bed or, or not, and the decision process begins for the day, doesn't it? I'm going to tell you the greatest decision to be made each morning is whether or not we're going to go to school to live for Christ that day or not. That's our greatest decision. Are we going to abide with Christ that day and cooperate with Him in our character development or not? And this is the first decision to be made to those who are in the Lord's army. It's a, remarkable that God has given us that freedom of decision. And each day we can we need to make that decision. Are we for the Lord or against the Lord? Because we're only given one day at a time, aren't we? We can set plans and make plans for months ahead and, and, and years ahead, but we only have this day that's actually been given us. What decision were we going to make? Psalms 5 and verse 3. My voice shalt thou hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning will I direct my prayer unto thee, and will look up. First thing in the morning, friends. What decision are you going to make? Here's another quote from The Faith I Live By, page 125. Consecrate yourself to God in the morning. Make this your very first work. Let your prayer be, Take me, O Lord, as holy thine. I lay all my plans at thy feet. Use me today in thy service. Abide with me. And let all my work be wrought in thee. She says this is a daily matter. Each morning consecrate yourself to God for that day. But see, friends, this is something that I need to point out to you in case you didn't realize. But in this great controversy, in this war, there are rules of engagement. Now, Satan rarely plays by any rules. But there are rules of engagement. And even God can step in and disallow Satan from doing things. Because there are rules in this warfare. One of the rules is, we've been given the choice to make each day. So we've got to make that choice. That's why it's a daily matter. Each morning, she says, consecrate yourself to God for that day. Surrender all your plans to Him to be carried out or given up as His providence shall indicate. Thus, day by day, you may be giving your life into the hands of God and thus your life will be molded more and more after the life of Christ. That's how we become like Jesus. We don't become like Jesus by just saying, oh, I want to become like Jesus. It takes an education, a training, an action. Faith is a verb. It takes action. And this is the basic training in the school of Christ. And, and I'll point out to you, beloved... If you are not advancing in the righteous development of your character every day, if you are falling to temptation more times than not, 
Well, I want to encourage you to take a close look at your morning habits. <laughs> what decision have you made? Are you starting the day by abiding in Christ? And I'm not just talking about, you know, a quickie prayer, but actually abiding with Him in thought, in study, in prayer. Are you in school? The book Education, page 260. Many, <clears throat> excuse me here, many, even in their seasons of devotion, fail of receiving the blessing of real communion with God. They fail of receiving that blessing. They are in too great haste, she says. With hurried steps, they pass through the circle of Christ's loving presence, pausing perhaps a moment within the sacred precincts, but not waiting for counsel. They have no time to remain with the divine teacher. With their burdens, they return to their work. Friends, and I'll admit to you, I've experienced this myself. Sometimes we get overwhelmed with diversions or emergencies. It happens. But I like how the more time we spend with Him, the more we become like Him. So such instances become less and less and less. So we begin the day by making a decision. What's our decision going to be? Like I said, it's no magic wand that's waved, and we just, you know, there's this false righteousness by faith that's being taught out there that Jesus does everything for us, and we do nothing. But we have to make a decision. That's not doing nothing. And then, as Paul says in Philippians 2.12, we're to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. Now, I'll tell you, the Christian should fear that his will is not continually surrendered to Christ. Or that the, the carnal traits of character should control his life. What well, Paul's saying, Christian must fear to trust his own strength, to withdraw his hand from the hand of Jesus, or to, to attempt to walk the Christian path alone. That's what we're to fear, friends. That kind of fear leads to vigilance against temptation, to, to uh, uh, humility of mind, to taking heed lest we fall. There's a cooperation that takes place, see? We make the decision, we give God our will, and then He works with us. He abides in us and we in Him. And there's this cooperation between heaven and us when we, when we do that. And in his boot camp, we begin to work out our own salvation by making changes. You see, through his strength, though, we decide and make changes in our daily routine that place us uh, in accordance with his principles. And I'll tell you, friends, if we want to overcome, we need to choose to overcome first thing in the morning. Let's start our day with that. Let me share this with you. Gospel Workers, page 446. We must every day make advancement in the formation of symmetrical character. That means in balance, not out of balance. 
Our attainments will be just in accordance with the effort we make, our character just what we choose to make it. For through the divine aid promised us, we can overcome. Jesus knoweth our frame. He remembereth that we are dust. In pitying tenderness, He will give us the help and strength we need. Do you believe it, friends? Have you experienced it? Second Corinthians 12, verse 9, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Ephesians 4 and verse 7, But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. It's called growing in Christ. God's going to have a people, friends. He's going to have a people. This remnant people. They're going to reach a point where they reflect the character of Jesus perfectly. In other words, they would rather die than sin. That's what the Bible teaches. That's the whole goal. I want to be among them. What about you? Excuse me. The Desire of Ages. Let me share this with you. Fantastic book. The greatest book on the life of Jesus I've ever read outside the Bible. The Desire of Ages, page 599. Without the life of Christ in us, we cannot withstand the storms of temptation. So friends, if you fall for temptation, that gives us an indication of our, our spiritual health. We need more Jesus, friends. Because without the life of Christ in us, we cannot withstand the storms of temptation. And she says, our eternal safety depends upon our building upon the sure foundation. Multitudes are today building upon foundations that have not been tested when the rain falls and the tempest rages and the floods come, their house will fall because it is not founded upon the eternal rock, the chief cornerstone, Christ Jesus. How do we build a strong and solid foundation, friends? Well, Jesus told us Himself. Matthew 7, 24, he said, Whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them. Those are the building blocks. So the choice is ours whether we want to be in union with Jesus or not. The choice is ours whether or not we want to be students in the school of Christ or not. Whether we want a sure and solid foundation for our life or not. Like I said, we have decisions to make every day. I had a close buddy in high school that enlisted into the United States Army. And when it came time for him to leave for boot camp, well, he decided he wasn't going to go and chose to stay with his girlfriend instead. But I knew the consequences of his decision. (laughs) And I tracked him down. And I got him into my car and I took him to the bus depot and made sure he made his trip to boot camp. You see, he wasn't building on a solid foundation. He was headed to ruin as being AWOL. That's serious. 
Now, God doesn't force us to enlist into His army or stay in His army, but if we want to be victorious over temptation each day, we must be consistent. We need to be a consistent student in His school. We must abide in Jesus. You know, when I was a when I was a junior in high school, I missed a total of 27 days one semester. It's almost a month. And I missed it because I wanted to do my own things on some days of the week. You know, I, I rarely studied in school. I could just take the tests and I got A's and B's and, and I was, frankly, I was rather bored. And I think that's where I was when I was a junior. I, I would just do my own thing. Because I still passed all my subjects, but I'd have, I I look back at that now and I'm ashamed because I know that I would, would have done much better if I had maintained a consistent school life. I did turn around my senior year and I didn't miss one day. But there needs to be this consistency with us, doesn't there? Again, the Desire of Ages, page 676. This union with Christ, once formed must be maintained. Christ said, Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye accept, can ye accept ye abide in me. This is no casual touch, no off and on connection. The branch becomes a part of the living vine. The communication of life, strength, and fruitfulness from the root to the branches is unobstructed and constant. Separated from the vine, the branch cannot live. No more, said Jesus, can you live apart from me. The life you have received from me can be preserved only by continual communion. This is why Paul says, you know, uh, pray without ceasing. We are to be in an attitude of communication with God every moment. Without me, you cannot overcome one sin or resist one temptation. That's so true, friends. Jesus said in John 5.39, He said, search the Scriptures. Search. Reading's good. Gives us an overall idea. But we need to search. Why? Because He said, For in them ye think ye have eternal life, but they are they which testify of me. They tell us more about Him. It's His testimony from Genesis to Revelation. That's part of the school of Christ, learning about Christ. And we find that in the Scriptures. From the great book, great, excuse me, from the book, The Great Controversy, page 625. Only those who have been diligent students of the Scriptures and who have received the love of the truth will be shielded from the powerful delusion that takes the world captive. Friends, this is serious stuff we're talking about, don't you think? We need to be diligent students of the Scriptures. And not just that. We need to receive the love of the truth. I have a love of the truth. And only those who who do that will be shielded, she says, from the powerful delusion that takes the world captive. By the Bible testimony, these will detect the deceiver in his disguise. 
Don't think you can run away, she says, to all the testing time will come. We're going to have a test. So friends, we, in order to share Jesus, we've got to know Him, right? And how do we know Him if we, we don't search the Scriptures? How do we know Him if we don't eat the bread of life every day? How do we know Him if we don't talk to Him? How will we pass the test and have victory without knowing Jesus? Being acquainted with Him isn't knowing Him. It's through the Scriptures. 2 Timothy 3, verse 16, 17. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect. In other words, that the man of God may be like Jesus in character, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Again, Christ's Object Lessons tells us we live His life. It's by the study of God's Word and believing its precepts that we become grounded in the vine that is Christ. We learn about Jesus. We learn about sound doctrine. We learn about health principles. We learn about procedures to follow in true organization. How to talk to the Lord in prayer. All these things. This is our basic training manual. Again, 1 Peter 3.15 But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. I'm telling you, friends, it's in the Lord's boot camp that we begin to learn how to give an answer for our faith. We learn to give our testimony, share basic truths of the gospel. And this is a part of that basic training that we all must have before we move on to the advanced training and and then placed at the front lines of soul saving. It's a sad commentary. I've experienced it. I've seen it. Some people have no desire to know or do anything beyond the boot camp experience. And Paul talked about that. Hebrews 5, verse 12, For when, for the time you ought to be teachers... You have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Notice that he says, their senses exercised. We've got to go through these experiences. We've got to get exercise in sharing our faith. And as Paul's saying, milk represents the basic fundamentals of the gospel, and meat represents advanced principles. I mean, we each grow older every day, do we not? Puppies don't remain puppies forever. Kittens grow into cats. Christians are not to remain babes in Christ. And I'll tell you, friends, the reason there are so many winds of false doctrine running throughout the church is because there are too many milk drinkers in the body. And I'm not talking about cow's milk. 
It's high time, almost past time to grow up, my friends. Ephesians 4, Paul said, that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. I see it more and more and more every day, this happening in the body of Christ. All kinds of fanaticism. Supposed new light. Light shining on old truths that were covered up. Friends, you're listening to a false voice. Paul says, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things which is the head, even Christ. We are to always advance with the light. And that light is Jesus, isn't it? But it doesn't do away with the old pillars. Counsels to parents, teachers, and students, page 51. In the school of Christ, students are never graduated. Among the pupils are both old and young. Those who give heed to the instructions of the divine teacher constantly advance in wisdom, refinement, nobility of soul, and thus they are prepared to enter that higher school where advancement will continue throughout eternity. I love those words. We never graduate from school of Christ, friends. But we are to advance in school. The greatest thing we receive in basic training is actually a gift from God. Peter says in Acts 2, verse 38, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And the Bible tells us that all who are born again will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And with the Spirit comes two things. First, the fruit of the Spirit. And second, spiritual gifts. Oh, just what are the differences between the two? Well, the fruit of the Spirit is a part of the boot camp experience. But after our boot boot camp experience, our basic training, we advance into a more specialized training, some of which is molded specifically for each individual. And the Bible refers to this as spiritual gifts. And we'll take a closer look at these the next time we get together, beloved. But I'll close with the words of Paul found in Ephesians chapter 5. He says, Let no man deceive you with vain words. For because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Being not ye therefore partakers with them. For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Friends, let us walk as those who have been trained in the school of Christ and become members of His army. Shall we? Together? In unity? Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you again so much for Jesus, for His standard that we are to strive for, for Your holy book that You've given to us to keep us from error, to teach us the truth. I pray for all of us that we get past the milk of the Word And we learn and understand the true meat of the Word and share that with all those around us for time is short. 
help each one of us to rededicate ourselves to be members of the vine, to abide in Jesus that He may abide in us. Forgive us our sins. Cleanse us from our unrighteousness. Teach us the truth that we may expose error and fanaticism and these ideas from the devil. So one day, not only will we hasten the return of our Savior, but we will hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. We thank you so much for the Sabbath day. Please continue to bless us, Lord, as you've promised, not because we're worthy in any way, but because Jesus is, and He's our Lord and our Savior. We pray this in His name. Amen.